Okay, it is my pleasure and delight as you take a seat to welcome up Ruth Weller. Now, some of you may know Ruth, some of you might not know Ruth. I imitate Ruth as she imitates Christ. She is one of those people in my life, probably in lots of people's lives as well. And uh, she used to be the lead pastor here at the West End. So if you've been around a little while, you will maybe know of her from being here, from praying for you in the balcony, for ministering to you and speaking into your life, teaching you at the internship. Oh, just like copious amounts of ways in which God has worked through you in this place, Ruth. So it's nice to have you back. It's funny because I tried to be you. <laughs> what did I text well. you the other day? Glasses. I was like, Laura, I'm getting new glasses. What glasses have you got from Iola? Well, you can imitate my glasses, but I'll imitate your soul hunger for God. Um, and I think that'll win. Um, but yes, we're so excited to have Ruth here. Ruth is in a, an exciting moment of change in your life, which you'll speak about maybe a little bit more. Um, but we're, we're kind of looking at Ruth as she steps into her next adventure with God and, and steps out of staff. She's been leading over at Rehope Southside. And we're just really delighted to have you here with us today to share what's on your heart, what God's given you for us. Um, I'll just pray for you if that's okay. Cool. And yeah. then leave you alone. Uh, God, we um, just thank you for Ruth. Thank you for her life. Thank you for her story so far, God. Thank you for how much you have used her in this place, Lord. Just how much you have poured your spirit through her and out through her in this building, Lord. We just, um, we stand on so many stories of God, what you've done in her life already, what you've done through her already, Lord. And we are so excited to hear what she has for us today, God, to hear what you have to say to us. So Lord, would you speak through her? Would you bless her? Would you give her joy and energy and boldness and clarity in her mind? Um, God, yeah, help her in every way that she needs helped by you this morning, Lord. And um, just pray for us, oh God, help us to listen. Help us to receive what you have for us today, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Good morning, everybody. Hi, West End Church. This is fun. How are you guys doing? Good. That was fantastic worship. Where did the band just go? Are they up there? Well done, band. You guys were great. Um, David, did you get your capo or no? Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm going to try and help you get one. He was leading worship in the south side and we seem to have lost his capo. So I'm sorry about that. But that, that worship was absolutely fantastic. Hi, Mark. Nice to see you here. We miss you. Um, so it's so good to see you guys here this morning. Um, as Laura said, this is actually my last week on staff with Rehope which is kind of mind-blowing because I've been here for, mind-blowing for me, I don't mean for you guys, you've got, you've got stuff going on in your life still. Um, I've, been, I've been in this church since 2008, January 2008 was when I started coming, I've been on staff since 2009. Um, so it's kind of one of those end of an era moments where we're going to be taking a sabbatical, um, I've got some ideas about what I'm going to be doing next ministry-wise, but we're really wanting to take that time of rest and sabbatical uh, to, to seek God for some confirmation on what is next. So I will be keeping you up to date on all the things if you want to keep in touch and we'll, and we'll see what's coming. Um, but for this week, I'm excited to be here with you um, and yeah, getting to be back here in the West End. I like your hope sign. That's very cool. Is Fiona here today or no? Let, oh, she's interceding. Bless her. We'll tell her she did a really good job. It looks so good. Um, so what's been the best thing about being on staff at Rehope or even just my last kind of 10 years here at Rehope? Uh, there are so many good things, but to sum it up, the best thing is the moment when the kingdom of heaven comes down. And I have seen that happen many times here in this place because, you know, as Christians, we believe that uh, in the future, we've got the forever kingdom of heaven. We've got heaven where there's no pain, there's no sickness, there's no darkness. It's all amazing. But we also believe that while we're in this moment on earth where we're kind of caught between kingdoms and that we still have an enemy at large, and yet 
we get to see the kingdom of heaven come down even in this time. And I've seen that a million times over the last 10 years. And that is, that's been the highlights. That has been the best things about my time here. It's seeing life transformation, seeing so many of you come alive as you realize who God actually made you to be. And I've seen that happen a million times. Who here would personally say that they have a testimony of God uh, transforming them through showing them who you really are? Has anyone experienced that? Yes, I bet there's more hands as you think about it. I get more nods than hands. Okay, so maybe we're working on boldness in this room. Um, But yeah, life transformation, kingdom of heaven coming. I have loved this big steps of gutsy faith uh, that we've seen as we have uh, taken risks for the kingdom here together. I'm here from Rehope Southside and we, the wee group of us that started Rehope Southside used to be with you guys here in the West End and uh, you guys got behind us in a vision to plant a church on the South Side and we've put a bid on a building over there before we even had all the money raised simply because we felt like God said go and plant a church in that building and you guys got with us on that you guys gave so generously towards that you prayed with us you served with us you painted with us uh, and we saw God break through he provided that building we've we've planted a church we've seen a wave of prodigals come back we've seen God do new things uh, and that has been the kingdom of heaven coming down to earth and that has been awesome and that story's not finished that story's going to continue Like what I've loved about this place and continue to love is the fact that God is faithful and he is constant even in a time when everything changes. Now, I know that we have all seen a lot of changes in the last couple of years, haven't we? I can't believe that anyone hasn't seen a change in the last couple of years, Uh, but particularly in this church, Rehope, I think because we're the kind of people that we take big risks, it means that naturally there's a lot of change. You know, there's people shifting positions, there's new locations going out, um, and change is exciting, it is good, but with change, there naturally comes a lot of grief. And so then that has been my my worst thing about being here on staff in the last 10 years, is the, the grief that you have to endure when things change. Some of you who've been around might be like, nah, Ruth, isn't the worst thing that you used to never lock the toilet and everyone's walked in on you in there? Like, maybe those people don't come to our church anymore. I I have been walked in on too many times in that toilet, and I just remembered when I came back. Um, No, worse things have happened than that. Uh, For me, the worst things about being here in the last 10 years has been the the real deep sadness uh, when when people have left, for good and for bad reasons, because I've seen people who we have sent out on kingdom ventures, and, you know, we bless them as they go, and we're excited for them. But then, like, to be the one that stays kind of hurts sometimes, doesn't it? And, and I bless each one of you who has remained. I bless each one of you who will stay even in this next season, uh, because sometimes it is just as hard, if not harder, to be the one that watches everyone go, and you're left kind of being like, right, okay, well, where, where's my place now? Because my place used to be in relation to you, and now that you're not here, I'm not really sure where that leaves me. And for me, that has been the thing that I've struggled with probably more than anything else in this church. Uh, those of you who know me may think, oh, but Ruth, you're such a confident person. Like, how could you ever worry about where you fit here? But guys, it doesn't always feel like that on the inside. Like, I, I really maybe unhealthily identify myself sometimes with like who my friends are or what group I'm in or what, what team I'm serving on and do I feel like I have a voice and do I feel like I'm, I'm known? And, you know, it's not bad to have those desires, but if you make that the root of your contentment with church, I can tell you, you will be let down because those things too do just naturally change over time. And I have really, really grieved all the changes, all the sadness, all the sending people out. But with that, I can tell you that I have seen the kingdom of heaven come. 
Like the kingdom of heaven has come in our midst, in the midst of change, in the midst of God shaking things up. And that has made every single bit of it worth it. That has made every little ounce of discomfort and loneliness more than worth it. Do you want to hear some of the stories I've seen in this room? Who was around when Sonia Smith got her shoulder healed? Do you guys remember that? She had a broken shoulder, like properly broken, medically confirmed. We just prayed for her up there in the balcony, and then suddenly she's pulling off her thing and just going like this. And we're just like, wait a second, Sonia's shoulder just got healed. Sonia, get downstairs, grab the mic. So she came down here and she grabbed the mic right at the end of the service. Who remembers that moment? And those moments where we're like, what? Like, you know, you pray for healing, but sometimes God actually does it. <laughs> and you're like, what? God answered our prayer. That was awesome. Uh, what, what else? Or are the Vardis, Vardis, are you at home? Are you streaming from home with babies? Um, the Vardis years ago were told that they, they would not have kids. And now they have many kids. Many kids. Guys, if you're watching, like, I am still just like beaming ear to ear with the kingdom of God coming to people in our church. There have been so many stories. I have seen uh, breakthroughs. I've seen miracle money provisions. I have seen the most broken and depressed people come alive and live in freedom. I've seen addictions broken. I have seen so many incredible things in this time, and it makes every single worth of stress and pain and fear and loneliness and anything you might encounter in life, it makes it all worth it when you see the kingdom of God come in this place. So that's been my highlights. That has been my, my favorite things. What I want to talk to you about today is the kingdom of heaven because I want you to see it and I want you to recognize it and I want you to make space for it to grow even more in your life because I believe that with God there is always more. You have never quite arrived. There's always going to be another level. So will you turn with me to Matthew chapter 13? If you've got a Bible in your hand, you're the winner. Um, if you've not got a Bible in your hands, you can scroll it on your phone, I trust you. Let's look up Matthew 13. And you might want to have a wee pen in your hand or something in case God speaks something to you that you want to highlight. Um, I'm just going to use this Bible. I'm allowed to do that, right, Laura? Great. It's not just a prop. Great. Okay, so there are many parables in this story. Um, Jesus loves to speak in pictures and symbols to help us understand things. I love that about Jesus. Um, and in this section, there's, there's just a series of stories where he's saying, the kingdom of heaven is like this, and the kingdom of heaven is like this, and there's just like lots of different examples like that. So starting with the parable of the sower, and we know this story, I'm sure, if you've been around Christian culture at all. So we've got basically four different scenarios where a seed is sown by a farmer, um, and this seed is, is like representing God's word going out. And so we've got the seed that falls on the path, um, and it's quickly snatched away. We've got the seed that falls in the rocky ground, and that one that's root doesn't really have a lot of space to grow deep, so it only gets so far. Then we've got the seed that falls in the thorns, it gets choked. And then we've got the seed that falls, falls on good soil and actually gets to grow. So let's listen to the interpretation. So Jesus says in verse 18, listen to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they've no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they fall away quickly. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word 
But worries of this life and the, the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop, yielding 160 and 30 times what was sown. So what was Jesus really saying here? I think Jesus is trying to give us some perspective in this passage. He's, he's trying to say, here's four different options of what it's like when, when my word goes out, when the kingdom goes out. There's four different options here. We've got, right, the, the one that just falls on the path. That's like, you know, when the gospel goes out and someone just doesn't understand it, of course that's like birds snatching it away because how is something you don't understand ever going to transform you, right? So that, that just makes sense. Uh, and that should be a reminder to us that when we're sharing the gospel, when we're talking about the good news, let's be understandable, guys. Let's not be weird Christians. Like, let's just speak in words so that people can understand. Uh, so that's the, the, the seed on the path. But let's talk about this seed in rocky ground. And the thought here is that there may have been growth, there may have been life, there may have been really great things happening, but if, that, if those roots are getting stuck in the rocks and don't have space to grow deeper, then that plant isn't going to get any bigger and it's not going to multiply. In fact, it might, it might only not stop growing, but it, it might die. Like, I don't know, that could happen. And the thing is that there, there's many people who I've seen over the years who have maybe even been believers for like not just days, not just months, maybe a couple of years, who have genuinely encountered the goodness of God, who have seen him amazingly break through in their lives, who have seen uh, him even work miracles, uh, who have been transformed by his love. And yet in a short space of time, if they haven't had time for their roots of understanding to really grow and to deepen, then it only takes one bad storm or one severe temptation to completely knock them out to the point where they are gone. And I've seen that too many times. And I, I say that that is not a shameful or judgmental thing on that person. I see it as just a natural implication of if your roots are not deep, there's only so much that you can withstand. Like, you know how this works, biology, right? Trees, they grow really, really deep roots so that when the winds come, they don't topple over. Um, I'm not an engineer, but I'm told that in, in building design, the skyscrapers that are built in Mexico City or in like the west coast of America are places that they know there will be earthquakes. They, they build the foundations of those skyscrapers with such a structure that it's almost like this like root system that goes deep, deep, deep into the ground that, has, that expects that there might be shaking in the ground and yet they design it in a way that the skyscraper is not going to topple over when an imminent earthquake will come because they know it will one day. And the, the root system of that structure holds it up. It's just, that's just physics, you know? And, and I think Jesus is saying it, it's kind of like that with our faith. If our understanding, which is the roots growing in the soil, does not deepen, if we do not get ourselves in a teachable posture, in an in a environment where we are growing and we are learning and we, we are learning more and more about God, then it's just a natural implication that when we meet some sort of temptation or some sort of really hard trial that may or may not be our fault, like it's just going to flatten us. And so the encouragement with the, the rocky ground is get in a soil where your roots can grow deep. Like guys, never stop being teachable. Never stop being hungry for more of God. This is why in this church, we read the Bible cover to cover every single year. And some people say, is that not a bit much? Like, does it not start to get a bit samey? No, never get samey. Have you read this book? There's so many weird things in it. And what doesn't make sense one year 
sometimes actually makes sense the next year when you see it in context. And what doesn't make sense to you sometimes makes sense to someone else in your group. But how will you ever learn that from them if you're not meeting with them every single week? That is why we obsessively read the Bible over and over. We want to have roots that keep growing deep because we know the earthquakes are coming. We know the storms are coming. We want to be ready. So let's keep growing. Let's, let's not be like that seed in the, in the rocky ground. Right, what about the thorns? What about the worries of life? So that the thorns, Jesus says, they, they represent the, the, the worries of life or even the deceitfulness of wealth. And, and they act like thorns that choke the plant. And I am sure that there are many people in this room, myself included, who wrestle with thorns. Like, but Jesus is saying here, don't settle for thorns like they're part of your identity. Don't be like, oh, I'm worried about the future. I'm worried about this. That's just who I am. That's just what I'm like. And I'm just going to stay in this place. No, this is meant to be kind of a disturbing picture. Like, oh, this is, worry is like thorns. That's bad for you. That plant grow. That plant can't grow in that environment. And so when you identify that you're being choked by thorns, you need to either wriggle out or get someone to help cut you out because you don't want to stay in that place. And when you see that your friends are being choked by thorns, same again, don't ignore them. Thorns are bad. Like, ouch, no. Don't, don't identify that person or don't justify that situation by the fact, oh, that's thorns. Like, you want to cut them out. You want to get them in a path to freedom so they can grow again. And sometimes uh, renouncing and rebuking worry is as simple as a mental decision to be like, right, Lord, you say that you take care of the birds of the air and that you dress the lilies of the field in beautiful petals. And so therefore, how much more are you going to look after me? And you say in your word that you're going to look after me. I choose right now to align myself with your truth and I'm just going to not entertain those thoughts anymore that you're going to let me fall. Like sometimes it's a mental choice like that. But sometimes it's also rooted in something much deeper and we try the mental choice and we can't quite break past that. And so at that point, don't identify with the thorns. Get someone to help you cut those thorns. <laughs> and maybe that starts with on a Sunday asking someone to pray for you. Maybe that means actually getting a professional that knows more about what you're going through than you do. Particularly if you're going through something like grief or loss or trauma, definitely get a counselor. Definitely talk to your GP. Like, Get anything you can to help remove these thorns so that you can be a plant that grows, so that the kingdom of God, so that his peace, his life, his abundance can be growing in you because that is what it does when it's unhindered. That is the hope that I have for you. Don't settle for less. So that's the thorns. The, the, the deceitfulness of wealth as well. There's so many lies that come with wealth. Um, lies like, oh, if you just had more, you would be fine. Or if you could just get that promotion, then all these problems would go away. And it's convincing. I've been convinced by those lies a million times. Uh, but often you get to that point, maybe you get the more money or you get the promotion and realize, oh, actually, now I've got stresses in another direction. And then you realize, actually, satisfaction doesn't come in uh, the number in my bank account. Satisfaction actually comes in knowing that my Father in heaven has got me and is leading me and is providing for me. That's where I get content. And so the lies of wealth, you know, they can be, uh, they choke us. They hold us back from growing. And that's not what I want for you guys. That's not what Jesus wants for you. And that's why he's saying this is what it's like. So that's the worries. That's the wealth. Uh, what about that, that fourth option for the seed, the word of God? Can you hear God's word? Can you understand it? And are you growing unhindered? 
If you can get yourself into that posture, if you find yourself blessed in a season where you are just in that good soil, you've grown deep, there's nothing choking you in that moment, then Jesus says that the nature of that kind of setting is life and life in abundance. Like, it literally says, uh, the crop uh, will grow, where is it? It's in the verse. Um, the one who hears and understands the words, who does, who does produce fruit and yields, some a hundred, some 60, some 30 times what was sown. Who in this room has a strong interest in propagating plants? Is it just me? Actually, just me and you. Anyone else into propagating? No, that surprises me about this church. Okay, right. Any, any animal breeders in the room? Or is that just me as well? No, no one else breed pets? Yes, thank you. One other person. Okay, I, guys, help me come up with an analogy. Who, who bakes sour, sourdough bread? Sourdough bread, anyone? Yeah, okay, right, bread makers. I'm sure there's something about uh, proving and rising. There's something about multiplication there. There's got to be an analogy that works. What else grows? What else multiplies just naturally? Bacteria. That's a bad example. That's a bad example, Shagan. We want the redeemed version of bacteria in this room. What just by nature grows? <laughs> Good bacteria, let's see. Jesus is saying that under the right conditions, the nature of the kingdom of God is it just grows. Not only does it grow, it multiplies. I can't tell you how many guinea pigs I have since I started breeding in 2020. That's what I did in COVID year. Um, we'll not talk about that just now. But that is the nature of the kingdom of God. And so some of you are probably sitting here frustrated being like, okay, well, Ruth, I hear you, but I'm going through some really hard trials right now in life and I don't feel in control of them. Well, do you know what? Good news, the next parable's for you. Right, Jesus is saying in the parable of the sower, here's four conditions for the seeds and naturally, you know, the kingdom of God should just grow. But he also acknowledges in the next one, parable of the wheat and the weeds. He's like, right, here's another example not instead of, but here's another example of what it's like with the kingdom of God. And he says, right, in this one, it's kind of like where there's a man who sowed good seed for wheat in a field, but then in the night, his enemy came and sowed seed for weeds, unknown to the farmer. And then when the, the wheat started to grow and started to appear, at the same time, weeds started sprouting as well. And so the, the farmers or the people are kind of like, right, what do we do here, right? There's weeds growing in the midst of wheat. Do we just do away with the whole crop and count it loss? But the farmer says, no, there's a way. What we're going to do is we're going to let these weeds grow side by side with the crop because the opportune time to remove them is actually harvest. And at harvest time, we're going to harvest the whole crop. We're going to get the goodness of what was growing in the wheat. And at that point, we will separate the weeds from the crop. And not until then. What does this one mean? Uh, verse 38, the field is the world. The good seed stands for the people of the kingdom. The weeds are the people of the evil one. The enemy, sows, the enemy who sows them is the devil. We do have an enemy, guys. That's not a secret. The harvest is at the end of the age and the harvesters are the angels. As the weeds are pulled and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The son of man will send out his angels and they will weed out his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. And I know that some of you are walking side by side with evil right now. Like, I, I know some of your stories, I actually don't know most of your stories uh, since I've been over Southside, but I can only guess that many of you are walking in situations where you're like, there is evil present in my midst and I feel powerless to do anything about it. 
Lord, how do I grow next to such weeds? How do I survive in this? Lord, are you even with me anymore? Because this is still here, because this situation is still going on. But I think that what Jesus is saying here is sometimes the opportune moment for the weeds to be removed is not yet. And for any of you who are suffering, I am praying, and I would pray that that suffering is removed from you immediately. Of course, that's my first prayer. But sometimes God's response to that prayer is, wait a second, I want you to grow a little bit more side by side with this evil, and then you can know that I will have my moment where I remove these weeds and they are burned. Like he has promised us that. That's not an if. That's something he says is coming. And I've had short versions of, of stories in my life where like, oh, I just wish God would have removed the thing, but he didn't for a while, but then it was good. Um, one of them, for example, if you want to hear funny stories of Ruth's Rehope past, um, when, I was, when I started coming to this church, uh, there was a group of people who I feel I can talk about freely because they don't come here anymore, uh, but there was a group of people who really opposed my ability to hear from God. And they were just so quick to tell me, no, Ruth, you don't hear from God. That's not how God speaks. That's not what it's like. And they really teased me and they made fun of me. And, and it made me feel really rubbish. It's not nice when people speak to you like that, right? Um, and, and so that went on for a while. And I, I remember there was even a time when like, I, I shared at share time. And I said, here's a testimony of answered prayer. And here's what I felt like God was saying to me. And then one of those people posted on their Facebook status I caught their comment on what I had said in share time and a, some Bible backing as to why God does not speak. Like, at this time, I was tearing my hair out. Like, Lord, I thought you brought me to this church to encourage me and to build me up. These guys are mean. Like, why are they doing this to me? And it went on for a long time, like a long time. And I was just like, this is just so hurtful. It wasn't all like that. I also had lots of good experiences in Rehope in those days. But there's just this one thing, like this weed, you know? But do you know what? Like, in time, they did leave. They, they went elsewhere. It wasn't a thing anymore after they left. And on reflection, it's funny, because 19-year-old me was so heartbroken that I felt ridiculed, made fun of, not taken seriously, and losing confidence in my own faith. But 19-year-old me didn't know that 33-year-old me would be someone who stands on stage regularly teaching people on how to hear from God. And I didn't know that God was helping to craft my teachings on how to train other people in hearing the voice of God through the opposition of those voices at that time. And so on reflection, I wish that God had just removed those weeds. But actually, I think he was saying, nah, like, look, I want this to grow to harvest. And then at harvest point, I'll remove the weeds then, but then we're really going to have a crop that can be nourishing to other people. And I can see that now. Now, this specific parable is not about a short-term affliction. It is actually about, like, there will be evil in our midst, and at the end of the age, there will be a great separation where the angels come, and when unrighteousness is dealt with, and anything evil, and where God rescues those who have come to him for mercy. Like, that is what this parable is about. But I believe that the same principles apply in the short term, too. I am praying as plan A that God removes your suffering. But if he doesn't, I pray he gives you perspective as to what you are growing in the midst of it. And I pray that if you have evil in your midst for your whole life, I pray that God would give you the strength, the courage, the perseverance, and the faithfulness to him to not turn against him because he's not yet done what he says he will do at the end of time. And we put our hope in that future because we know he will deal with all of that. He will have the last say. So that's the, we the, the weeds. Jesus says in John 16, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace.
in this world you will have trouble. Oh, wait, I should say that again. Jesus says, in this world, you will have trouble. Like, like Jesus actually said that. But take heart, I have overcome the world. That's where we put our hope. In this world, we will have trouble. I don't say that as a curse. I say that as just keeping it real. But Jesus has overcome the world. So anchor yourself in your overcomer if you want to make it through. Don't get lost because the evil's still going on. Right, the next, the next parable about what is the kingdom of God like? It's like the mustard seed and the yeast. By nature, I've just said this before, by nature, the kingdom of heaven multiplies. That's just what it's like. That's just what it does. And it says in verse 32, though it is the smallest of seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree so that birds can come and perch in its branches. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast uh, that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. Like, again, the kingdom of heaven, things of God's kingdom, things that are like him, his unconditional love, his ability for, to bring healing and forgiveness and freedom, his provision, his, like all the good things of his kingdom, by nature, multiply. That's just how he's designed it. That's just how it works. I posted on, on Facebook groups this week, um, on I attend West End and I attend Southside. Um, I just remembered Royston, are you guys watching just now as well? I'm sorry I didn't acknowledge you. Hi Royston, I like you guys, I hope to visit you soon. And I know Alan, he's great. Um, but yeah, I posted on West End and Southside, but not Royston, maybe I'll get on that Facebook group. Um, I was just asking, have anyone in this church like got, got testimonies of when they have seen God's kingdom multiply in their own lives? Because I was like, I just want to hear this from other people. And guys, thank you. I got a flood of texts and emails and people just giving me these like short stories. And I don't have time to tell you them all just now. I would love to tell you them all, but I, I'm not, I just don't have time. Um, but can I just read out to you a couple of stories that, that you guys shared with me? I thought they were great. Um, one of them says, when my cupboards were bare and no one knew, God multiplied the food in my home through a friend who knocked on my door with a car full of groceries at the exact moment I was ready to apply for government assistance. Praise God, he still multiplies literal food today. Um, another one, I suffered with a heavy addiction to pornography for seven years, but through God, freedom, healing, and forgiveness multiplied in my life. If you are stuck in addiction, know that there is healing and freedom for you. God does that kind of thing. The kingdom of God does that kind of thing. I got a number of stories about financial provision. I won't have time to read them all out. And one of them in particular was about God paying back debt at a supernatural rate. Um, I have a personal testimony of God paying back debt in amazing ways. I remember Mike Kritika sharing that. Hi, Carol. Like that was in the blogs, the 40 days. That was an amazing testimony as well. Like our God cares for us financially. And like his work, it just multiplies. That is what the kingdom of God is like. It is so good. And I encourage you, if you've got stories of multiplication in your life, please post them on I attend. Let's just like celebrate together the good things that God's done and share and share time. Do that too. So then the next parable, the parable of the hidden treasure and the pearl, this one is basically saying, when it's that worth it, you'll give anything up. Now, I think there's a lot of doom and gloom surrounding the whole, oh, when we're Christians, we have to count the cost and follow Jesus. 
like, oh, it's so hard to be a Christian, I just have to bear my cross and keep going. Whereas I wonder if Jesus is saying, when you get how good this is, you will pay whatever cost that takes. Like, did anyone here pack up their whole home and remove themselves for two weeks from their life to rent out their flat for COP26? Anyone? There were some people in Southside that did it. Some people did it. Laura did it. Yeah, like, because not a lot of people realize it is worth disrupting my life for the opportunity to make some holiday money. I will do that. And I respect you guys who did that. That's hard work. Good going. Has anyone ever been like, I'm going to spend a large sum of money on a pet because I want 15 years of companionship and cute fluffiness in my home? Has anyone ever done that? I've done that multiple times. And non-pet people don't get it. And they say, why are they spending so much money on that? And then people are like me are like, because it's more than a pet. It's friendship and it's life and it's family and it's so cute. Like, of course that's worth two months' salary. When you really believe that something is going to be worth it, you will throw stupid money at that, right? Amen. And that is what Jesus is saying the kingdom of God is like. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. He's like, oh no, no one else, get this. And then in his joy, he went and sold all he had and he bought that field because he wanted that treasure. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Like, the cost of following Jesus is not about, oh, how much pain can I endure it because I'm a humble person and I know that I'm made for greater things. Like, no, Jesus is like, when you see how good this is, you will be like, how much can I lay down to get that? And to get myself in a posture where that is increasing in my life and where I see that more and more and more. That is what the kingdom of heaven is like. And so when I think over all my years, um, yeah, as a Christian or even just particularly like in a role of being a pastor, side note, like being a pastor is a really awkward job. <laughs> it's really awkward meeting people and them asking your profession and you say I'm a pastor and then they just get so awkward and shut down and don't say anything back. And it's like, okay. I think that like people assume if you're a pastor, oh, you're a person on your moral high ground who's judgmental and we have nothing in common, therefore let's just stop talking. Like it's really awkward. Or then within church, like people act differently around you. Like um, I'm not on most people's close friends list on Instagram. And I didn't know that until like recently people are like, oh, have you seen this? Have you seen that? I'm like, no, <laughs> I, I'm not on the close friends list. <laughs> And that's just like one of the weird things about being the church leader. And I, I find it amusing because I think I'd be a great close friend. <laughs> like, I think that these people are missing out. I think I would give a lot of um, like celebration emojis and yay, I'm so excited for you. I, I would do that all the time. Those of you who have me on your Instagram know I do. Um, but there's just some funny things about stepping into positions of leadership and following Jesus. There's just some funny quirks that come with that. And yes, there's been pain in that. There's been sadness. Sometimes there's the overthinking the things and all that. But would I give up any of that for what I have got to see God do in this church? No. Like, this has been worth it. This has been worth every tear, every frustration, every not being invited to a thing. 
has been so worth it. And I don't know what your specific challenges are in life, because I know we've all got different things. We're a body, we don't all have the same call. We have different calls. We have different gifts, different abilities, different places that we're called to impact and to influence. And so I don't know what your specific challenge is, and I don't know what the things are that God is calling you to, to lay down for him so that you can press on for what he has for you. But I will tell you, it is so worth it. Just do it. Whatever it is, count the cost. And you just run after that field with the treasure in it. It is going to be so worth it. I can tell you that. I've gone off my notes because I got excited about that. All that to say. Some things we've learned about the kingdom of heaven. And you can spend time even like uh, going slowly through these passages and seeking the Lord and asking him, Lord, show me your kingdom. Show me in my own life what your kingdom is like. And I encourage you to do that in your own time. But what I see from these passages here kingdom of heaven, it multiplies. It just does. Kingdom of heaven, it calls an end to evil. And no matter what we're going through right now, God has given us assurance that at the end of, at the end of time, there will be an end to all evil. We are in the in-between, the awkward in-between moment. We're not at the end yet, but it's coming. And finally, the kingdom of heaven is worth everything. Whatever the cost, my, my prayer for you is that you find joy again in that. And I wonder whether in the midst of the choking of the thorns or the frustration of the, the evil and the weeds and, and what's present, I wonder whether, whether for some people your heart has grown cold, not because you're an evil person, not because you're not strong enough in faith, but just because life is hard. Like, that's legit. Life is hard sometimes. In fact, often. So my encouragement to you, if that is you, is find your love again for God. Like, don't get back into ways of the kingdom by thinking about the structure pieces. And what I mean by that is like, oh, maybe I should go to church more often. And oh, maybe if I actually showed up at read through, or maybe if I tried praying more, like, like those, those, those things, those are good things. But no, the heart behind it is be amazed by God again, spend time with him. Remember what he is like, ask him to show you more of his kingdom. And then from a heart of love, come back to church and fellowship with your believers. Like, be it read through and be praying for other people as they go through their struggles. And lay down whatever the cost is out of a heart of, I want to get there, not out of a heart of, oh, I feel like I ought to give this up. Like, get that heart of love back again for God, and that is going to bring you life. That is going to get you there. So, some challenges for you. Assess your involvement in church. Basically, are you here for the kingdom of church or are you here for the kingdom of God? Because the church is meant to be the family that get excited about the kingdom of God. So come and join our family and let's press on to the kingdom and make way for it to grow together. Number two, in what ways can you make the kingdom of God grow in your life? Sorry, make way for the kingdom. You don't need to make it grow. It will grow. But you can make way for that. Think about that. Ask the Lord about that. Number three, in what ways can you help make way for other people to, to see the kingdom of God grow in their lives? You have a part to play. Don't be passive about that. And number four, um, do you guys want to come to my open mic party on Friday? <laughs> um, those of you who already know me, come to my goodbye party because I want to say I love you, I miss you. Those of you who we've not met, I want to meet you. I want to make friends with you. Will you come to my party on Friday? We're having an open mic in the South Side. There's going to be great talent. Uh, any talent in this room? Anyone that's going to perform? Anyone? Maybe? 
Maybe we'll see, I see hands. Yes, Gus and Alistair Bennett. Maybe Mark and some jokes. Um, you're still welcome to bring talent. You're also welcome to bring non-talent that I may find entertaining. Um, please come to my open mic. I would love to have a fun party together. And um, yes, that is all I have to say to you. So let me pray for you. And we're gonna invite the band to come back and, and lead us in a time of response. Father God, we thank you that you are so worth it. Lord, we thank you that you are above the, the stresses and the weights that we endure right now. And so, Lord, now in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would help this room of people. Lord, where uh, there is a need for people to go deeper in you, would you lay before them the opportunities to grow in understanding and love? And would you protect uh, th those people, Lord, as they're on their journey? Lord, for those who um, are being choked currently by the thorns, Lord, we, we just call an end to that choking, and I pray that you would give the wisdom, the help, and the supernatural breakthrough to, to get free from worry, from deceit, from all those things. And Lord, I speak a blessing of multiplication over this room. Lord, we say, come alive again. May this room thrive in you. And I pray, Lord, that nothing would hinder the good work that you are doing in this place. In Jesus' name, amen.